Modern folk, they make good friends. I'm just starting to figure it out. Don't lose yourself to loneliness because modern folk are all around. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. This is Modern Folk, the podcast, the podcast where I talk to modern people. And today, I'm in Las Vegas with my buddy Trent. Trent, what's up? Not too much, Ty. Great to be here with you. Trent, why are we in Vegas? We are checking out the Consumer Electronics Show 2023. It's great to be back because the last time I saw you was in 2020. Hard to believe, three years ago. That's right. We're on the 28th floor of the Flamingo, looking out on the Strip right now. Oh, Bellagio fountains popping off. It's pretty cool when the Bellagio fountains are in your view. This is beautiful. Magical night. Good night to talk, catch good, up. Good night. Great view. Trent, I have so many questions for you. Can't um, wait. Can't wait. For so it. excited to do this. Um, you're a guest that I've been wanting to interview for a while. I appreciate that. And um, okay, first off, a little bit of background. Just let the 20 listeners know what you do and what's going on. So I'm up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and I do boring stuff, type boring stuff, tax preparation for a living. But I've been doing taxes 14 years uh, now, this coming year, which is hard to believe. And I always say that uh, as complicated as Canadian personal income tax and benefit returns are, <laughs> I know that they are still a lot tougher with the IRS down in America. But Trent, that's not the only thing you do. You do a lot of fun things, um, exciting things, I do. In front and behind of cameras. I do. I like to come down to America, check out the television shows in Hollywood. Uh, across the country, I've actually seen shows uh, as far as New York, which was pretty cool. So the burning question is, Trent, how, what does Drew Carey smell like? Drew Carey. He, he smells like... <laughs> I, I don't even know how to describe Drew Carey's scent and the smell. Just if you could take... Humbleness and kindness and put it in a bottle. That is what Drew Carey would smell like. Host of The Price is Right. So you've had the opportunity to smell him twice now. It's an interesting way to put it, but I I have met and, uh, and smelled Drew Carey uh, <laughs> a little bit more than two times, which is okay. awesome. Let's dive into it. 2010? 2010, I was so uh, grateful and fortunate to have been selected as a contestant on the 38th season of The Price is Right. Amazing. What was that process like um, applying for it and getting it and coming down? So 2010 was a little bit different than it is now. You know, we are living in a world that is what's called post-pandemic, at least in our lifetimes. And prior to the pandemic, The Price is Right was a staple, at least in my opinion, of not only American television, but Canadian too, where people would make what's called the pilgrimage down to West Hollywood, CBS Television City in Los Angeles, California. People would come, I heard, at least for the Bob Barker days, they would come and they would camp out outside. They would line up on the sidewalks of Fairfax and Beverly. Wow. They would wait sometimes days to see a taping of that show. So when I turned 18, I knew that I had to go check it out. And the reason that I knew I had to go check it out is because in grade four, I was on a school walk and our fourth grade teacher, Miss Basie, she was telling us kids, students at the time in the year 2001, 
all about her experience going down to the show. And what I remember is that she told us all about the experience of going to the Price is Right, what it was like. And she told us that for her, she wasn't selected as a contestant, but you started talking to uh, people in line with you as you were waiting to go inside the studio. And she said she made an agreement with another couple and they said, okay, if you get up on stage and win the showcase, you can come and rush the stage at the end of the show. And, and the agreement was vice versa. So whoever won, the other person would be allowed to go up on stage as their friends. Very nice. So grade four teacher, Miss Basie, she didn't win. She wasn't selected as a contestant, but the person she talked to in line ended up getting called to come on down. They made it up on stage. They won the whole showcase, which was crazy. Wow. And I remember Miss Basie telling us she ran up on stage and had a good time. Oh, that's amazing. Um, we'll get back to the prices, right? But this wasn't the first game show that you had been on or you had seen first game show that I had ever seen was who wants to be a millionaire. And it was a special taping. And where was that taped at? New York, New York, which was pretty cool. Uh, because in 2009, uh, I got the opportunity to go see the show. I was 17 years old. Okay. Super nervous. They had said you had to be 18 years plus to see a taping of the show. And this is with Regis? This was with Regis because it was the 10th anniversary primetime special. They were coming back to primetime for an 11 episode special series. Regis was coming back at host because I think it was 2002 to 2009. Marinette Vieira was doing the syndicated version. So for Regis to come back for an 11 episode series and for me to be in New York was just something extraordinary. Oh, that's wonderful. It was, it was super wonderful, but also nerve wracking at the same time, because when we showed up to ABC studios that day, me and my family, they had said, there's been an error. And this is before all tickets were automated and they had much more complex websites than they did back then. But the ABC who wants to be a millionaire staff crew had told us we aren't actually taping today. And so I looked at my mom and I said, I can't believe it. We've come all this way. We're leaving New York to fly back to Calgary tomorrow. And I really want to see this taping. So she said, you know what? You're almost 18. If you want to pay to change your flight back to Canada, you can do that. And you can stay an extra day in New York. So I looked at flights and it was a little bit harder to do than it is today. You actually had to get onto a computer, Mm -hmm. looked at flights, found one back for a pretty reasonable flight the next day. And I was able to stay in New York for an extra day to go see a taping of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, 10th anniversary special with The Rege. And he is he is a feisty, uh, he was, you know, uh, bless his soul. Uh, he was a feisty old man, but super personable. And he loved the attention. He loved people coming up to him and, uh, and chatting with him. Oh, that's amazing. Um, remind me, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? the contestants are already chosen or are they taken from the crowd? So in the syndicated version, uh, after Regis left the airs, they were pre-selected. They got rid of what's called the fastest finger selection round where 10 contestants compete yeah. against each other as finalists to be on the show. But for this primetime special, they brought back the fastest finger round, which was super cool to see. Very cool. All right, let's jump back to the prices, right? So 2010, you were a contestant, you were chosen, you were one of the first four contestants. You got it. So 
we fast forward about six months here. We're in January 2010. My mom and I are down for my 18th birthday, but I didn't actually get called to come on down on the first day that I went to see the show. We had tickets to the show for three days. And on the first day myself, I remember what my grade four teacher, Miss Basie, had told us. She said, make friends with those around you because you never know. They might end up winning the show and then you could run up on stage and be on TV too. So I met some ladies. They were named uh, Catherine and Olivia. And uh, I think it was Catherine. Catherine was called to come on down. You wouldn't believe it, but she ended up winning the whole showcase and sure enough next thing you know most exciting thing ever for me as an 18 year old i'm running up on the stage at the end of the show to clap and cheer alongside her she just won uh, a new mercury milan i don't even know if they make that anymore do they i don't know mercury that's classic yeah wow so you rushed the stage this was night one and you had planned to be there for three nights you got it. Three nights, three days of taping. But but night one, you know, I, I told my mom, I said, this was super fun. Even if I don't get selected, yeah, I had a great time. And you're you get gonna, to be there. Yeah. You're going to see Real me waving stage. on television at the end, supporting someone who won a bunch of prizes and uh, looked like a really nice person. Absolutely. All right. Let's jump to night two or day two. You get called up right away. One of the first four contestants. I, I did. I was. But there is a little bit of backstory to this as well. Okay. Day two. Let's hear it. Next day, we wake up bright and early. And back then, you had to wake up early if you wanted to go see the show because the studio issues tickets for free in uh, excess capacity of the studio capacity. It's about 300 people, give or so take. So it's first come, first serve? First come, first serve. So we thought. We show okay. up at the studio bright and early. And my mom, she wasn't feeling well. So... She went back to the hotel and uh, and slept after we got what's called an order of arrival ticket. This ticket tells the uh, producers what order you've arrived in. So I think I was number 140 something. And normally that's a really low number and it's really good because as I mentioned, it's a 300 person studio capacity. But unfortunately, what I found out as I was waiting was that some of the CBS pages said, we're actually overbooked today. You're probably not going to see the show because we've distributed tickets for Southern California, SoCal residents to come see the show. So I went, you got to be kidding me. I've come all the way from Canada three days in a row to see the show. And the CBS page pretty much said, well, I'm sorry, but come back for another future taping. So I was looking around and I met these group of three sisters and their mom. And they had different color order of arrival tickets and I did. I went up to them and I said, hey, what are what are those different color tickets? And they said, oh, we're SoCal residents. We've been guaranteed seats today. So we're going to see the prices right. And I was telling them about how I'd come with my mom, but she wasn't feeling well. So she was spending the day resting at the hotel. And they said, just so quickly, so open arms. They said, why don't you come be in our group and we'll say that you're our Canadian nephew. And I went, are you sure? And they said, absolutely. So the CBS pages are coming around now and they're giving out uh, actual name tags and actual tickets that guarantee you're going to see the show at this point. Okay. So they come up to Janet, her name was, and her sisters and their mom. And they said, well, your ticket's only for four, but who's this fifth person? And right away, Janet jumped in and said, oh, this is Trent. 
he's our nephew you know he wasn't originally on the uh the list with us but but he's here he has to see the show with us and the page sort of hummed and hawed and this was the moment where i thought this is probably it i'm not gonna get to see the show and the cbs page said okay you know here you go uh here are your tickets and from that moment uh janet and i and her sisters uh we became friends for life and janet i I like to dub my american mom that is awesome i i didn't know that part of the story and that makes it even more special i know you had mentioned janet before and that her family and um how special they are to you but that's amazing okay so you got a ticket you're in i'm in but i still don't know that i'm going to be on the show right no one does they call down nine contestants from the 300 person audience each show but you have to go through an interview with the contestant producer at the time stan does everybody in the audience everyone in the audience goes through an interview unless you don't want to day of minutes and before if you the don't show. want to you're just not you won't be called up you got it they'll put an x through your name tag not name tag number sorry and you still got to watch and enjoy the you're show an but audience member. you know say you've got a little bit of stage fright you can rest easy knowing that you won't be on camera so janet her sisters their mom myself we know that we're going to see the show at least at this point and we get up to stan and stan interviews me and he says, hey, Trent, you're back. And I went, Stan, I'm back. And I told him, my mom, she's not feeling well. She's staying at the hotel today. But I said, no, mom, I still have to come see The Price is Right. That's what I'm here for. I'm still going to come see the show by myself. And then he moved on to the sisters of Janet. He moved on to Janet. And Janet was so energetic and bubbly. This is a little bit of a spoiler alert, but... Not only did I get called down to be a contestant on The Price is Right that day, Janet, who was interviewed in the same group as us, also got called to come on down, which was pretty special. Were you both called down at the same time? So I was called down as one of the first four contestants. Janet was called down as the second last contestant of that day. Janet, unfortunately, had a tough go because on the first item she bid on you have to bid on these items if you want to make it up on stage play a pricing game with Drew Carey she had a good bid but wasn't close enough and then the second item she only got two opportunities to bid the second item she was bidding on she bid a really good bid really close and all I remember is that there was another lady who one dollared over her we were all crushed and uh janet definitely would have made it on stage but uh that's the strategy to the game really unfortunately so speaking of strategy i noticed that you picked um 8.99 8.99 so when Um, i was bidding on quite a bit yeah uh the items What's, what's up with that number it just felt right felt right so what i remember is that the item that i was bidding on was two htc cell phones a one year calling plan Wow. And they included back either... Back in 2010. Back in 2010. You watched the clip of this thing and yeah. those cell phones, they look old. Yeah, I bet. How much were they worth? 1260 Okay. So Drew announces the prize and uh, back to 899 The reason I bid that is yeah. because I was uh, very fortunately the last person to bid of the four. So strategically for me, the highest bid before me was 850 I didn't want to be a jerk. 
I didn't want to say 851. Mm-hmm. I had a pretty good feeling that the phones and the calling plans were at least in the $1,000 range. So I gave the other contestant a $49 leeway, said 899. Drew announces the price, 1260. Next thing you know, within a matter of minutes, I'm up on stage. And that's the crazy thing, Ty. It's so loud inside that studio. When we're uh, doing the show open and the announcer, uh, Rich Fields at the time, great guy. When they're calling you down, it's so loud you don't hear your own name uh, being announced. So they have giant cue cards. And I remember at the time I was trying to look at the announcer's mouth to see what he was mouthing. But it just so happened that the cue card uh, was revealed with my name on it before Rich uh, announced my name. So the con- uh, the potential contestants around me were going crazy before so I even they realized. they knew and you didn't? They, they knew for time? a split second before me what was happening. And Very then cool. it all kicked in. And for me, the whole experience was just so overwhelming in a good way. Because you are standing outside a studio just your life's going on uh, as it normally does within a matter of minutes uh, you're up on stage with Drew Carey great guy and your life is drastically different after that point so what was the game that you played when you got called up in 2010 so I got up on stage uh, the game was called lucky seven and I'd seen this game I, I knew the game for sure and I knew it was a tough game because they so you have to pick all of the numbers of the price of a car? All of the digits. You have to guess them. Uh, the first through the fifth digit. They give you the first digit for free. But they give you $7. And for every dollar you're, uh, for every digit, for every uh, increment that you're off, Drew's going to take a dollar back from you. So, so you have seven chances or six? Seven dollars to start with, but really you can only lose six of those dollars. Because okay. you have to have a dollar left at the end of the game. To buy the car from Drew. Okay, I see. I act like it's Drew car, uh, Drew's car, but really it's uh, CBS's money. Sure. It's what he always likes to say. Giving away CBS's money. So, the car I played for was a Subaru Impreza. And honestly, at the time of filming, that was the big thing I remember. I don't even remember it being a Subaru. There's so many emotions going through your mind. You're not really paying attention to what the announcer's saying what's out there on stage you're just trying to zone in on what you need to do as your next step makes sense so they give me the first digit price of the car is a one so i thought that the next digit second digit was going to be rather high so i played it as an eight door opens it's a nine lose a dollar down to six third digit i was semi-conservative said it was four door opens it's a three no problem. Lose another dollar. Man. Getting, I'm, I'm getting partially excited at this point, but not completely comfortable. So I say for the fourth digit in the price of the car that uh, I wanted to uh, say five so that I knew if I said five, I'd have a chance at the last number, probably. So I said five right in the middle. Door opens. It's a four. So I lost another dollar. And th- at this point, I'm excited. I think I've got this in the bag. All I have to do is reveal uh, the last digit in the price of the car. And I've got $4 left. So I can be off by three. And at this point, I'm just about to jump in. I'm about to say five. Because cars typically end in five, right, Ty? Yeah. They would end on a five or a zero or a nine? Yeah. Five, zero, or nine. That's what you'd think. standard. 
So I'm about to say five, and then Drew goes, well, Trent, this might be a matter of math. And at that point, I start racking the analytical side of my brain. I start thinking, what if the last digit in the price of a car is a nine? And so I go through the scenario. If I say six, the last digit in the price of the car can be seven, eight, nine, six, five, four, or three. Any of those digits. Seven out of nine chance, practically, because... In this modern day, it would be really rare to see a zero in that particular pricing game. Sure. So I'm looking out into the audience. Everyone is holding up five in the audience on their hands. But I go the strategic way, or so I thought. Decide to say six. Door opens. It's a two. A two? Off by a no dollar. No cars end in two. No cars end in What kind of cars end in two, Ty? So you didn't, you didn't get the car. They edited out a segment that day where Drew throws the money in the air and I go and throw my hands over the car. It's probably so on the, the CBS Master Archive yeah, somewhere. Yeah, this leads to a good question. Um, how much is edited for a game show like that? Like how many takes? Did you have to do multiple takes yourself? It was, it was one take that day. Okay. The beauty of the prices right back then was that what you saw on television was pretty much what happened inside the studio to the best of my knowledge they probably only edited it down for time sure but what you saw was pretty much what happened all right so that was 2010 i watched on the television yesterday you play the same game in 2022 hard to believe not and um not the exact same game same show same show there is a redemption episode. There was which a you were featured on. They announced this in the fall, which was pretty awesome. Fall of 2022. They've never done a redemption special before, but they asked me for a little bit about my story the first time around in 2010. And I wrote in and told them, Hey, my name's Trent. I lost the car by a dollar in 2010. And this was early September. Didn't hear back for uh, two months, actually. Because back then I was planning a trip with uh, my best friends over to Europe. We were going to go check out Amsterdam and Scotland. And I had this trip planned. And then this Price is Right opportunity comes up. They didn't tell me uh, that I was selected as a finalist for the show until two weeks before the taping, which was in early November, 2022. So two weeks before I'm supposed to go over to Europe, I get an email back from uh, Price is Right, and they said, hey, you're a finalist. It's not guaranteed, it sounds like, but you have a pretty good shot because they aren't running at this point now, post-COVID, with the 300-person audience. They're running with uh, 20 pods. And these 20 pods can accommodate yourself and up to three guests. It's a, it's definitely cool. It's different. The energy isn't that 300 person packed audience, but sure. it's still a positive place. Everyone is rooting for everyone, which is great to see. All right. So you're there. You don't know if you're going to be, be a contestant and your name gets called. And uh, how, what, what are some thoughts, feelings going through your mind at that point? So I didn't know that I was going to be selected as a contestant either of the times, 2010 
uh, or this time when when they filmed it in 2022. Mm-hmm. But uh it was absolutely remarkable not not many people uh are given a second chance to uh play the price is right twice let alone even once i I know there's a lot of people out there that would love to be on tv love to play uh the price is right and that's a beautiful thing about the show is that you could be practically no one and get up on stage you could have your 15 minutes of fame but it regardless of what happens it's a really good time in there for sure so what what did you bid on so a bit of a spoiler you were a contestant you got chosen you made a bid you got it the closest second time you're on stage so what were you bidding for this go around well it wasn't as easy as the first time i'll tell you that okay i uh was called down again the second time I was on the show here as one of the first four contestants, really incredible. Can't believe that. And the first item up for bids this time was this interactive boxing machine. You know, we're, we're here at consumer electronic show CES. Yep. Uh, that is a neat piece of, of technology where there is a monitor in the center of it. You've got these boxing, boxing pads around it and it, trains you it teaches you how to box so i bid on that how much do you think that would would be ty um well i saw the episode so it's gonna be a little biased but i would guess a thousand fifteen hundred dollars yeah yeah for sure right and you guessed if if i recall correctly 899 you got it ty i guessed 899 staying true to your roots the same bid that i made in 2010 now there's two reasons for this. The first one is the most straightforward. I'm looking at that thing and it doesn't look like it can be more than $8.99. I also thought maybe, just maybe, they'd have an item up for bids. You know, this is, this is a re- they were saying that it was a redemption special. Maybe they have an item up for bids that had some sort of value that paid homage to a previous contestant. Sure. So, I can tell you this interactive boxing uh, machine was not it turned out to be $2,495. I don't know if I could afford that uh, (laughs) on my day-to-day life. Sure. So I didn't make it up on stage as the first contestant this time, but that's okay because there was a guy named John. John makes it back up on stage. And then Drew goes, John, let's see what happened to you the first time you were on the show. And John goes, okay. And to my memory, it's really rare that they do this, but they showed a previous clip of him. Did they actually show it in the studio? They showed it in the studio and they showed it on the broadcast. Very cool. And at this point, I'm like, my goodness, if I do, if there's even a chance that I make it up on stage and am fortunate enough to play a pricing game a second time in my life, they're going to show this this memory of Lucky 7 in 2010. A young 18-year-old Trent. Babyface. Baby Trent. So John makes it up on stage. They show a clip of him playing Plinko uh, a few years back. And he got all four of the guesses wrong. So what that means is that he only got to drop one Plinko chip down the Plinko board. And unfortunately for John, that single Plinko chip that he got was dropped and it landed in the $0 space. (sighs) Couldn't believe I felt uh, really bad for that when John played the first time, but 
Plinko's normally played for 50, a chance to win up to $50,000. The second time John played, you know, this is a primetime special. The prizes are a little bit bigger. The studio floor is blue. It's blue tie. Oh, yeah. Normally it's Let's white. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so John got to play Plinko this, this time for 100K, $100,000. That's not bad. Not bad at all. He got all five chips his second time around. Unfortunately, didn't hit the $20,000 slot, but I think he won $4,500. It's not bad. Not bad. Not bad for a couple minutes on TV. Mm-hmm. So then you had um, another chance to bid? Had another chance to bid. First and chance I did those make, items? The next item up for bid was a wine fridge, and I think it included four wine glasses. So whenever the show includes small prizes like that, you can't be exactly sure on the price because now you're getting into bidding on technically a couple of things in one package. Sure. Okay. For me, uh, I was third to bid. So that means I have a pretty good chance. There's only four contestants that do these biddings. So new contestant gets called to come on down. Wine fridge comes out, four wine glasses. I'm third to bid. And... I've realized at this point that since it's a primetime special, the prizes are a little bit nicer than you see on the daytime show, as we saw with that twenty-four ninety-five mm-hmm. interactive mm-hmm. boxing machine. So I bid, I think it was 2200 and I'm feeling pretty good about it. And there's this lady next to me. She's got the last bid. She looks over and goes, 2201 Of course. Yvette, her name was Yvette. So Yvette goes up on stage super fun lady high energy and they show a clip of what happened to Yvette the first time turns out someone bid a dollar more than Yvette three times when she was on the show in 2019 all right so Yvette got her redemption by one dollaring over my bid all right all right fair enough came full circle for did she win she uh she won the fridge and the wine glasses she played a game called switch for about $20,000 worth of prizes. Uh, kitchen island and a hot tub. And uh, she should have switched them. She didn't. So uh, it, 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 she didn't win those items, unfortunately. All right. So up next, what did you um, what did you bid on? And did you get it? Third item up for bids. I'm going into this and I'm thinking, okay. I'm the last person to bid. It's going to be... That's good. It's going to be... It's the best place. Best place strategically when you're when you're talking about bids. Item rolls out, and it is a robot uh, golf cart with a bag and a set of clubs. And you should know about uh, these robots being involved with uh, technology and CES. It, you should uh, know the value of these things. Yeah. I heard a story about... Uh, a robot uh, automated golf cart before and I heard that uh, one time there was this older guy uh, who was trying to control it and I don't know if the batteries in his remote died I don't know if he didn't know how to operate it but long story short he drove that automated uh, robot off of a cliff with his golf clubs (laughs) (laughs) the poor guy that's a nice aside story (laughs) It's uh, <laughs> technology so, at its uh, not only finest, but sometimes at its worst as well. So to spoil it a little bit, I think you win this one. I strategically, you know, I was in last place. The One of the contestants before me had bid 2700 And at that moment, wow. I really did have to question, hey, 
is this automated golf cart, smart smart golf cart, and bag and clubs worth more than twenty seven hundred. Yeah. And I took a moment. You'll see it on TV. I took a moment to think about it, but thought, yeah, it probably is. So I said twenty seven, twenty two, twenty two birthday, lucky number. Nice. Uh, retail value of the prize was around three thousand three hundred dollars. Wow. Made it up on stage with that bid. And since you won that, you like won the robot caddy, right? You got it. Got to pay a little bit of taxes sure. on that uh, sure. because the and you golf. I do, which is which, uh, which is pretty awesome, and is very helpful for what is up to come. So you, so you're on stage now. Up on stage and do they always like? Were they? So the game that you played was hole in one. It's or? called hole in one. They don't normally know. They don't okay. normally associate the games with the item up. For I didn't bits. know if that was a harbinger, like I to was give you this like secret and like oh yeah, I was so fortunate because uh, I've seen golf clubs on the show before, and you could be playing I don't know side by side, uh, high low. You could be playing a totally unrelated game, but in my case, could not believe that the curtains open and the pricing game is hole in one. And this is a game that. You feel pretty good about. I felt pretty good about it because when like this is one of your favorite ones to do, or it's like the odds are pretty good. I mean, there's skill involved, so yes, the yes, odds yes. are good if you know how to make a putt. I was telling my family when I was waiting in line outside with them. I said, "You know, I'm not sure what pricing games they're going to play on the show, but I bet you they're going to play pricing games that uh, contestants have played before." And uh, I honestly did not think that they were going to have Hole-in-One on there. But I told my family before that Hole-in-One was a game that I would love to play. And looking at the statistics of the show, I knew that it's not a game that's played frequently. It's pretty infrequent that they uh, play that pricing game. They have, I think, either seven between 70 and 90 active pricing games. Okay. So think about it. The, the odds are astronomical that mm-hmm. you're called down, you make a correct bid, you get to play a pricing game, and that pricing game is actually one that you know and would like to play. So for me, like the stars are somehow aligning here, Ty. I, I couldn't believe it. All right. So explain the objective of the game and what you have to do and where it sets you up to make the putt. Yeah, you got it. So actually, before they revealed the game, they open the doors to show what you're playing for. And the announcer goes, Trent, you're going to be playing for a brand new car. A brand new car! Crazy! <laughs> so, to to get the opportunity to play for a car twice in my Redemption. lifetime. Redemption. Redemption. is It's crazy. And I honestly thought, because there's so many emotions going through uh, your mind, I thought that there was a chance I would be playing Lucky 7 again. And Uh for me, that was a very scary thought. Because imagine, Ty, not only losing that game the first time like I did, but playing Lucky 7 again and losing it for a second time. That would just be uh, absolutely uh, tough. A tough pill to swallow. For sure. Like, you talk about the the bad dreams that I've had over the last 13 years. (laughs) They would continue. But it wasn't. And it's hole in one. It's hole in one. So you're there. I'm there. You have all of these items items. that you need to um, 
put an order? A sending order from price lowest to highest. All right. The better I do, the closer to that hole I'm going to make that putt for. Yep. I was impressed with your uh, placement. There, I wouldn't have put them in the order that you did, and you were almost correct the entire way. So you had the first four? Uh, yeah. So they give you six items, and the first one was easy in my mind it was a can uh of either tomato soup or tomato paste yeah the second one was already controversial it was uh rice crisps the yep. audience didn't love when i put the rice crisps in second position but i felt pretty good about it so the first one was like less than a dollar 89 or so cents definitely less the than a dollar crispies were a dollar or something dollar 99 those okay. those crisps the third item was something i don't even remember right now uh, but the fourth item was uh, iced tea mix. And at this point, I'm, I'm doing okay. First, second, third, and fourth item. Yep. They go to reveal the fifth item, which is uh, polish, and yep. it's lower price. So right there, your, your placement order means that you're wrong. You're going to be putting from the fourth line. It was, uh, it was funny because there was these rolls of croissants, mm -hmm. uh, I think ready-to-bake croissants. Mm -hmm. And I did I did not know the price of those. I don't buy those. So I didn't know if they were $1.99 or $5.99. Uh, and so for me, I just left them out of the picture. If you put all six items in the correct order, you get a $500 bonus. Oh. But I knew that the priority for me was getting closer to the hole rather yep. than trying to go after that $500. It's almost like, it's almost like a white rabbit that you want to follow that $500 but really for me I just want to get close to the hole so the items I had no clue about I just laughed out of my picture that's very smart uh, we talked a little bit about like game theory and that's like a good um, yeah I appreciate example that. of that just um, keeping an eye or like thinking about the big picture the big like you you want to make that hole in one that's a good way to put it so what what gets you the best odds to make that happen yeah and some people might not uh know this but based on the way that they set up some games there is at least one or was i'm not sure if it still is there was at least one game uh, one pricing game on the prices right that if you applied game theory you could win a hundred percent of the time what's that game uh it's called now or then okay so I can't recall the exact theory of it. I, I probably should have remembered this before I went to the taping, but you've got six grocery items again, and they're going to show you a price of each of those six grocery items. And then you have to tell Drew if the price is a now price, whenever the taping is, or a then price. And here's, ah. here's the crazy thing. Um, the then price is, is like 2000. I think they're using today 2011 or 12 around that year and i'm just i'm looking back and i'm like where did time go how how crazy is it that we are in now the year 2023 do you ever look back and and think where did that time fly by oh yeah for sure like you and me for example we're here in vegas and it's been three years since we've been at the consumer electronics show together but for me it feels like yesterday meeting up with you seeing you yesterday it's like we never skipped a beat it's great to see you again yep yep a lot of shit's happened since then but it doesn't feel that far ago that it we doesn't. were hanging out here and in a way it's a great feeling 
but it also makes you think and recognize how quickly life goes by for sure um so you bring up a good dynamic like so inflation is crazy right now and the price is right is based off of current day prices of things and so the dynamic of the game changes just because of the current prices yeah so back then i mean we talked a little bit about this but there's back then a few cents meant more than now yeah or when the game first started in whatever the 80s 70s whenever it first came out like everything was less than a dollar and a few cents meant so much more or there is a big difference but now it's you pay three dollars for cookies which is crazy <laughs> crazy that they would have been like 30 cents yeah in the uh the 70s or 80s the thing that stands out to me is that this current iteration of the price is right has been on the air for 51 years and it almost gives you a good perspective as to how products trends fashion just so many things about life has changed so much drastically since 1972 yeah was it just bob barker who was the original host original host was a guy named bill cullen but that was a version before 1972 Wow. I think I've seen one or two episodes of that show, and I think they've given away, or at least tried to give away, an airplane on that version (laughs) of the show. A brand new airplane. (laughs) Can you imagine? You'd be flying back to Nebraska. Yeah, I want a jet. (laughs) Who wouldn't? So, okay. We're jumping back. Jumping back to 2022 now. Yeah. All right. Get back on track here. So, you are now, you're up four lines. So you're like six feet from the hole? I'd say I'd say five to six, yeah. And you five ever, to eight. I like that. We're gonna go with eight. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna yeah. embellish this moment. <laughs> because you ever watch those movies where you just see the background slowly fading away and things become stretched out and so much farther away? Yep. You see things you see the reality before you just becoming so hard to obtain or achieve and that's what it felt like for me as soon as i stepped up on that mini putting green yeah and got ready to make a stroke i couldn't imagine that's i mean not only are you in front of the world to make this butt but for a car and like that's a lot of pressure pretty i'm a, I'm a pretty lucky guy ty to, you look steady that you look solid <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And my uh, my good friend, my best friend, Josh, back in Calgary, he... Shout out to Josh. Shout out to Josh was saying that he was looking at my putting stroke a few times since the episode's <laughs> aired. <laughs> and he says my putting stroke was, was pretty solid. So I appreciate good those good kind words. That's exactly what he said. Nice. So I go to make the putt and they did edit out a part this time where I didn't feel the ball was lined up entirely uh, in line with the hole. So I got off and I adjusted the ball and you're allowed to do that. Cause you haven't made the stroke yet. Sure. In the actual filming, like it looks like you just put it down and you putt. It's crazy what, uh, the movie magic, the, the yeah. marvel of modern editing can the magic do. of, of Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. So I'm up there and everything that I've learned about a good putting stroke is gone out my mind. I just want to make sure that I have a chance. I, so many thoughts are going through my mind. I don't want to be too slow. I don't want to overshoot it. 
but I just have to do it because I know tape time is expensive for those guys. Sure. So I go, I take the backstroke and try to follow through uh, on the putting stroke. And it was like the ball was moving away from me in slow motion. The and you sunk it. I sunk it. Sunk it. Sunk it for you a want brand a car. new SUV. Unbelievable. Yeah, buddy. Thanks, Ty. I, I couldn't believe it. For me, it looked like it was drifting slowly towards the left edge of the hole. And I did. I, I've, I've seen the, the show only a few times since it's aired uh, at this point. But it does look like what I saw did actually happen. It looks like the ball's drifting towards the left edge of the hole. But at that moment, it's probably like the most exhilarating moment that I ever felt. A quick moment of shock, uh, cycling through excitement, cycling through what are my emotions and what do I do now? Oh, so, that's amazing. So you sunk it and you knew that you won. And then where do you go before the final showcase? Do you go back to your place, to your where you're at well before that i'm running around the stage like a crazy person running to drew running to the yeah. models yeah they're pointing me in the direction of the car <laughs> i run over to the car and i'm because you just won just want a brand new car i gotta go touch it of course <laughs> gotta go touch that new ford escape se is that the actual car that you get i don't think it's the actual car okay the prices right say that they're gonna put you in touch with the price suppliers and uh, they will essentially provide pickup uh, or shipping of a prize to um, anywhere in the continental uh, 48 United States. Um, so that, that those are the details you have to worry about after the show. You don't even think about right. that at the right. filming. You just think. Which this is, so this January 6th that we're recording this right now. And that aired January 4th. Two days ago. So it's still remarkably fresh and in my mind. Very and, fresh. And something that I can't even believe. Yeah. And you haven't gotten the prizes yet because it, after it airs, you have like 90 days to receive them. Yeah, you got to wait 90 days. I think it's a little bit longer for furniture, but you know the show. They've got to do all their checks and sure. uh, communication with uh, the suppliers. And and for me, I'm, I, like, I'm still just over the moon with not only the opportunity to have won a car, but to have done it on on such a special episode uh a, a nighttime price is right at night uh prime time prime special, time which is pretty cool so um you still have to come up to spin the wheel spin the wheel they call that the showcase showdown okay so they do it in um two segments one for the first half one for the second half and uh, I have a very, very slight advantage because I won the most of the first three contestants. I was the last person to spin the wheel. But Yvette ha was the first person she to spin the wheel. She rolled a 90. She rolled a 90, which pretty is pretty good. good. Tough to beat. Uh, second contestant, John, I think he spun 80 in a combination of two spins. And then we get up to me. And I'm just thinking, I wonder what it's like to finesse the wheel. If I can get a feel for how heavy it is and how much it goes around maybe i can try and finesse it to a number uh, around where i'm at so i try to give it a spin it's got 20 segments on it and it doesn't go all the way around and so i'm like all right i'll try a little bit harder so you have to respin respin doesn't count spin again and second time it still doesn't go all the way around that wheel's heavy tie it's a heavy wheel heavy wheel but i think that when i watched it back 
I think it went around about 18 segments on both of my uh, spins that did not count. So it's interesting, you know, I'll probably never spin that wheel again, but interesting that you probably can finesse it if you got experience with it. Unfortunately, who has a giant prices right wheel lying around in their garage? Sure. We can make one. All right. It's our next uh, construction project. Yeah, but not for you, for me. There we'll, we go. Uh, I'll We're just get, I'll practice it. We're going to um, get you on the show. Yeah. So I watched the episode before the night before, or it was that it aired the morning of and the contestant who won at the end uh, you probably didn't see that episode specifically but she spun it exactly one revolution so she hit the dollar she finessed it right away and then she did it again hit the dollar and got twenty five thousand. unbelievable and i'm like whoa it i'm pretty sure she didn't really like plan to do that or practice it but that's the move to go if you got she it. was the first one to go so it started on a dollar and then she done did exactly one revolution landed the dollar and somebody else did a dollar so they tied and she did it again and landed another dollar which got her like the twenty five thousand dollars amazing hey which is amazing amazing the opportunities that that show provides you know there's some games or some things on that show that take a little bit of luck uh, some things that take a smart skill. shopper, a little bit of skill as well. That wheel is is mainly luck. Yep. So my real spins, I combination of two spins spun eighty cents. Didn't beat Yvette's ninety, but at that point, doesn't matter. Totally you got okay. A car. Brand a new car, car and and the caddy and the, the smart <laughs> smart cart. So, so incredibly grateful uh, to have been a part of the Redemption special, just in that way. Uh, shout out a few people during the wheel, which is always fun. And uh, to rub shoulders, or as you like to put it, smell Drew Carey. Mm-hmm. Super, uh, super fortunate to do. Oh, I love it. I had so much fun watching that episode, too. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Especially since you didn't tell me exactly. I kind of had this idea that you were going to be a contestant and that something was going to happen. You mentioned, watch the episode. So I was kind of hoping, feeling that something was going to happen. And then just like living it or watching it and seeing you do that. I'm like, oh, yes. Right on. Got the car. Feels great, man. Yeah. A lot of fun. So that's amazing. I'm happy you had that experience. Can't wait to see the car. You're going to have to come up to Canada and visit. Yep. I'll play golf with you. There we go. Got a, got a nice new set of clubs, apparently, coming my way at some point. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. So. Price is Right was over, and uh, and here we are now, uh, after the broadcast, two days later, in, uh, in Vegas, looking out at the Strip right now. Beautiful view. Those, uh, one of the best views in the whole city. Yeah. Top floor flamingo. Not bad. Doesn't get better than that. That's pretty cool. Watching the nightlife. It's it's a Friday night right now. I've lost all track of uh, time this past. We're week. out here for uh, CES. Let's um just uh talk about some of the stuff we saw today. So sure, it was a good day. First day here. First full day at least. And uh, we got massages from a robot. Yeah, those are chair. interesting. They're like massage chair robot pods. 
And it's interesting that they're popping up at a lot of different uh, companies. Um, there was a guy who came up and we were chatting a little bit. Um, yeah, so they, um, we both went in at the same time about. We did. And they kind of forgot about me or I was just so like comfortable looking that they didn't want to disturb me. It's so like a I bonus was there for, for half an hour. I, yeah. 20 to 30 minutes. I was there for a long time. Ty, well, you were sleeping there with your eyes closed. You didn't see me standing off to the side thinking, what is going on with... I didn't know that you were right there. With Ty's I, massage length. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I uh, started my massage chair after you and finished before you. Did so, you get up and leave or did they come and get you? They came and got me. So there was a guy, I remember, he came and actually turned mine off. But then I went over and <laughs> I went over to you and I'm like, all right, well, you must be done here soon, a cycle or something. But no, <laughs> you went for another 10, 15 minutes after that. No, I kept, I went through like three different settings. Amazing. I did, did you do the brain uh, massage? I do not know if One of them was called like brain something. Really? It didn't do anything like for that. There's like a neck massage, but yeah, it was kind of crazy. It grabbed you everywhere. I don't know, Ty. We're uh, we're taller people, I would say. And the interesting thing about those chairs is that I'm not sure if they're designed specifically for people of our height. They're definitely not designed for people um, as bony as I am, because there's like, I would say the majority of the time is amazing, very comfortable. The so like 10 percent of the time, it kind of felt like something was jabbing at my back, or. Like there's like these big ball things that would come through and push your back out and it just felt awkward and my head was kind of like tilted back and that was kind of weird. Yeah, but same with me, like my neck and my head going backwards. It wasn't incredibly comfortable. Uh, so that was interesting. Did you do this, the uh, stretch function? Mine was just on a cycle. I don't even Oh, I was playing know. with all the buttons. I did <laughs> the stretch one and they like grabbed your feet and like put your legs up Amazing. and then they like stretched it going up and also, down. Also scary that a machine is in control of You're your body. You're putting your whole body in the hands of this robot. That's something. That's what the world, that's where the world is at today. Yeah. Kind of weird. Um, what other tech did we see today? We saw BMW's new car. Yep. Looked like it could change color. Yep. It had um, a motion and it connected with the driver on a uh, kind of intimate like setting. Those are words you'd never really assume to use together. Emotion and car in the context of a car having emotion. But at least through artificial intelligence, it's, uh, it's always remarkable how fast and complex it is becoming every year that we go on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also went underground through some tunnels. I think those tunnels were provided by The Boring Company. The Boring Company. Shout out to Elon. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of Teslas in, in tunnels underground. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, For me, it was remarkable how uh, small the tunnels uh, actually were. There's not a lot of like room but you think on about each it, side. They probably made the tunnels that small because it was, you know, it, it would be inefficient to make them slightly bigger might look more roomy for us but, yeah, but they but don't need it if, if they don't need that space one way and there's they're just teslas going through there so these are tunnels underground where teslas are driving themselves or at least not yet but they hope to drive themselves yeah. through the tunnels yeah. 
and it got us from one part of the convention center to another part of it yep and then we had a good uh strip walk as they're called on vegas yeah not, oh, we, not we strippers everywhere strip walk we saw some strippers <laughs> they're always around in the city yeah there's a um 1-800-escorts.com uh, i hear they come by in 20 minutes or less ah <laughs> uh, vegas the city where you can do anything or be anyone that's right sid uh sin city slams <laughs> as long as as long as you have some money to support your habits that's right i feel like there's some other stuff we saw today tech oh we we uh rode some virtual motorcycles that was pretty cool and, and a roller coaster yeah a uh VR roller coaster via roller coaster uh that was cool how they had the fans pointing at you what we haven't really seen yet and maybe we'll see more of this tomorrow is uh new and emerging trends in technology new tech that's available like i remember when we were here three years ago everyone was having uh, automated robot uh, glass sideways window cleaners yeah so i wonder it's weird what, how those trends just pop up yeah wonder what the new trend is this year yeah i don't know we saw that one um bartender robot that like held a glass level going over like a ramp we did we did see that so how does that work is that uh like a gyroscope inside of it to help stabilize and balance it yeah i'm sure there's like a level or um accelerometer or Neat. some tilt switch that just knows and then it just compensates for it do you know what actually and this is for me speaking about a previous year but i know those robot butlers or robot servers yeah they're uh -huh. starting to pop up yeah there is a few there's that one that uh went to a fridge it was putting drinks in the fridge and out. Fun tech for sure. I remember the first year, I think it was the first year that I came, uh, the the walls that would recognize your face, that was really creepy. So you would walk up and they would recognize your face and they would say the emotion that you had and they would tell you how many times that wall has, has seen you. So you would go up there and, and be like, you had walked by here three times and you were happy and sad or angry. And like you could go up there and like smile or frown and it would tell you, oh, you're happy, you're sad. And that's scary because, you know, some governments are using that to track people. Yeah, we went to uh, talk uh, technology in space. And for me, it was remarkable. Very cool. Very cool how they were talking about how the satellite imagery um, is identifying geographical landscape changes in in the Ukraine, uh, the war against Ukraine, and how these satellite images were revealing that uh, the landscape was changing drastically in a matter of, of minutes. And they're getting these updates as well, potentially classified, potentially unclassified information in what is practically real time. Yeah. Hard to believe. That company, so I think that they're called Planet, um, and I think it's open source. Like it's it's public. It's not for like a government. They basically are taking a picture of everything in the world every fifteen minutes. So every tree, every road, every person, theoretically, if you're outside, they're taking a new picture. Do you think in real time? Do you think that we are going to be in photos on our Las Vegas strip walk? Today? Oh, I guarantee it. We were outside more than an hour today. Yeah. So they tracked us. And that technology is only going to advance. Like with AI, you can imagine 
they're going to be able to track all of the like the the grains crops being grown in all the countries and they even mentioned this today that if they can tell that the crops are going to have low yields they could already say well we know that this country is going to be a deficit so let's go ahead and send more crops to them even before they harvest because we know that their yields are going to be less that's an amazing tool technology advantage and that's just like everything that we do in the world will now be quantified which is really cool kind of weird scary invasion of privacy maybe so many uh facets to yeah. this yeah it's exciting um so i talked to that starlink guy um and so i have this relationship with starlink where so i'm in nebraska and there's not access to good internet but now um i had signed up for starlink i was on the wait list for over a year and finally got it um a couple years ago and so now i have really nice internet but it kind of comes at a price and I remember when they were launching, and they always are launching, but I remember a few of the launches, you could see the exact trajectory of all the satellites. And I remember one launch, I counted, and there were 60 satellites all in a row. Is that orbiting 16 or 60? 60. Unbelievable. And I counted them, and I could tell exactly, like, this is where they took off and the trajectory they're going. And I was excited, a little, like, sad because like the night sky is never going to be the same but i was excited because they were flying directly over me and within like a month i had starlink access they gave i got an email that wow. said like you now qualify and it was pretty much because there's now a constellation above my latitude and now i have amazing internet in but, a remote place yeah in the middle of nowhere wow but every now and then you can see these satellites and they're at 3600 or something like that 5000 i forget but like less than 10,000 satellites right now and the goal is like 33,000 so we're not even close to the full constellation That's which is amazing cuz the entire world's going to be connected we're going to empower all these areas that never had access to connectivity the internet and now they're going to be empowered just like any city which is amazing amazing but at the same time it's kind of weird because our night sky is now going to be disrupted in a sense it's a good way to look at it for sure but it's the same conversation that everyone has had like with vehicles and roads they're like well you're gonna fuck up everything by putting roads everywhere <laughs> but that's how we get to places and today they're so commonplace for yeah. the most part I assume they had that discussion. I don't know. That wasn't around <laughs> <laughs> the turn of the century. I guess the big difference here is people own geographical regions on the land here, but who, if anyone, owns sections of the night sky? Yep. So um, I asked him if there was ever going to be an oversaturation of low Earth orbit satellites. It's a great question. So all these satellites are LEO, which is low Earth orbit, and basically he said that space is expensive and there wouldn't really be that problem and i fully agree with that and that's kind of what i was expecting but at the same time those were just like two companies and this is just the start 
there's going to be everybody's going to have satellites like that and what happens when there's so many and you can't go to space without hitting one of these things yeah maybe it won't be that bad but i don't know it's wild it'll be interesting to see how much technology further advances or develops in our lifetime oh yeah we're just on the forefront of like space technology space travel got that in the pod amazing cheers buddy in vegas great to be here with you ty Mm -mm. we are drinking topo chico seltzers and i just cracked myself a coors banquet from the gas station hey but that's the way to do vegas affordably absolutely last night i walked with an open container downtown or through the strip through the hotel up to our hotel room you can't really do that back home in nebraska and it was legal completely legal hard to believe i walked past security people with a full beverage cracked open there you go nobody cared um we're here talking with trent on the uh modern folk podcast and uh trent is a canadian native from calgary yeah born out to calgary shout out to calgary great city what's good in calgary a bunch of things and for me primarily it's the proximity to the mountains Oh, yeah. You go an hour west from Calgary and you'll hit them. No the problem. The great Rocky Mountains. Although I did hear a funny story one time about uh, some Irish friends who moved over to Calgary. And God bless them. They're so they're so optimistic uh, because they looked at the mountains. You can see the mountains from uh, at least my backyard. And for my Irish friends, they said, oh, the mountains are so close. Let's go drive over there. It'll, we'll be there in 10 minutes or less. And I went, no, it's it's wow. a little bit farther than but that. They're big mountains. But they're big mountains. They they thought they could do it. And so off they went and didn't see them again for a couple hours. So uh, what are the closest ski resorts in Calgary? Fernie? So I'm a big skier. Fernie's in British Columbia. Okay, BC. Which is the neighboring province. To uh, where's Banff at? Banff is in Alberta. It's about an hour and a half. Okay. West of Calgary. I say an hour and a half because traffic on the topic of transportation. Traffic is getting more and more congested as the years go on. But you've got the town of Banff, which is incredibly beautiful. And around Banff, they've got what's called the big three ski areas out there. You've got Banff Mount Norquay, you've got Lake Louise, and you've got Sunshine Village. So each are incredibly unique in their own ways. You've got Banff Mount Norquay, which offers incredibly scenic views of the town of Banff. Not the most challenging terrain, but good for beginners or novices, uh, skiers or snowboarders. You've got Sunshine Village, which is sort of like a great mountain for snowboarders. Everything sort of feeds back into this basin in the middle. Uh, But it's also super fun because you can go spring skiing there. And last year, Uh, this is so remarkable but last year they got approval from parks canada because they operate within the boundaries of a national park they got approval to open for skiing and snowboarding on canada day do you know what day that is ty um canada day is april 15th good guess (laughs) but it's july 1st whoa middle of summer 
Whoa, you can ski in July? Well, not normally, but for the first time Holy in smokes. 30 years, I had a t-shirt and shorts and was skiing on actual snow, literally, that had fallen months before uh, in Banff, Sunshine Village, and it was, for me, one of the coolest things I've ever done. That's amazing. So, went skiing there on Canada Day. Great uh, experience. Uh, very memorable. And then there's Lake Louise, which rounds out the big three uh, ski areas out there. And Lake Louise just has stunning views of Lake Louise. Uh, and also some pretty uh, cool terrain. They recently uh, had an expansion with their terrain area. And they're putting in a bunch of new lifts. So... Uh, you have to give them credit for always being at the forefront of terrain and lifts and they too had to get approval from Parks Canada to be able to do that but that uh, ski area is going to definitely change in the coming years with the addition of these new lifts this new terrain and it's fun it's fun to see I don't ski there often but when I do I always have a good time oh that's wonderful so I have so many questions. We just like scratched the surface. We've got, it's already getting, so it's 8.38 right now. Time's we, flown by. We should. This is, we're going to have to have like a part at, two at our next reunion. Absolutely. At nine, we should probably get going for the uh, show. We're going to a Circus del Sol show tonight. Circus del Sol. Um, but I uh, just happened to pull up uh, your IMBD page. <laughs> It's remarkable that I even <laughs> am on that website. And I have a few questions, and we're just going to go through these very quickly, rapid fire. Sure. First off, um, Cold Pursuit, which is a film. That was a film with uh, starring Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Yeah. He came out to Fernie, British Columbia, and I was fortunate enough to be cast as a skier extra. So on the topic of skiing here... <laughs> I, cool. uh, I was able to be a skier in that movie. Unfortunately, I think they cropped out the scene. I heard there was a lot of uh, cutting done on the editing okay. room. So I was uh, unfortunately a victim of the uh, the scissors of the editor who cut all the film out. <laughs> Fair enough. It still showed up on your IMBD. Um, okay. A few of The Amazing Race, Canada. So we have a Canadian version of The Amazing Race. and You were a producer? I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I was fortunate enough to work on it uh, in their transportation department, uh, just on some local episodes when they came through Calgary and okay. area. Uh, actually, you asked about Banff, and one of uh, my favorite days ever was uh, being able to work on the finale of one of the seasons of that show, and uh, I helped build the finale stage. Uh, I think around 2000... Uh, 18 or so when uh, cool. they had the finale uh, actually on a golf course in in Banff nice nice so there's a few others here that are very noteworthy and we need to talk about sometime including project bakeover which we talked about very briefly um but for the matter of time i'm just gonna skip over some of these canadians canada's got talent also another good one the uh, canadian country music association awards and I think you're also involved with, um, uh, what's the Canadian Music Awards? We've got the Juno Awards. Juno. So this brings up a topic that I feel very passionate about, which is music. And I think that Canada produces probably the best musicians. Very kind of you to say. 
I think, and maybe you can help me out. I think I could name 10 Canadian artists. And so I'm going to try. And if I don't get there, you're going to fill it in. All right. So Avril Lavigne. It's funny you went to Avril Lavigne first. Drake. Uh, uh, Sean Mendez. Mendez. I think he's Canadian. I think so. Um, some of the Joni Mitchell. Um, uh, uh, oh, man. What are some other there? Uh, Alanis Morissette. I think, right? Is, isn't it ironic? Isn't it ironic? These are some good ones here. Um, good job. Oh, uh, uh, Neil Young. Um, is The Weeknd from Canada? He is. He is, and he is such a uh, big uh, <laughs> personality and presence around the world now. Hard to believe. All right, so I'm at seven. Or seven here. Pretty good tie. Pretty good. Um, I'm sure I could. Uh, Nickelback is Nickelback is is from Hannah, Alberta, which is a small town in Alberta, and a town of which I may have been driving too fast through one time and have gotten pulled <laughs> over. <laughs> All right. Uh, at one point in my life, on the one of those rural Alberta drives. All right. I'm gonna count it. So I'm at eight. Pretty good. Um, what else? Who are the who? Who am I missing? Oh, Shania Twain, of course. Amazing. The the most popular country artist of all times. So that's nine. I'm one away. We've got a band called uh, the Arkells. Have you ever heard of them? I'm not sure. <laughs> they uh, they've taken off in recent uh, recent weeks, which is pretty cool to see. Well, not recent weeks. Oh. Recent years. Bieber, Apologies. Justin Bieber. How could we forget Justin Bieber? <laughs> That's ten. A uh, a rather controversial <laughs> uh, figure, but uh, apparently I don't know if it was uh, <laughs> it was funny because my grandmother, God bless her, they she tells this me is that the nana that went to L.A. with you. I have a grandmother. She's ninety years old, and she recently uh, we helped her get her first ever Canadian passport. And she got her first ever passport stamp in it uh, on January 1st, 2023 here. Uh, took her down to see the wow. Rose Parade in Pasadena, California. And so that was remarkable. Which was a lifelong dream of hers. Yeah. I didn't know this until uh, up until a few years ago. But as soon as uh, my family found out that it was a goal or a dream of hers, uh, I was happy to go down with her. And that made for some great family memories. I love it. Um, anything with the awards or the Canadian country music? Anything, any special memories that come to mind? Every time I work on the show, it's a special memory. Because the thing about them, uh, the Juno Awards at least, is that they travel across Canada. And it's given me the opportunity to see different Canadian cities that I otherwise would not travel to. And uh, part of, for me, what makes the experience special is the crew. It's a tight-knit family that works on the show. And for that, I'm really grateful that most year, year after year, we see the same people. It's almost like a family reunion, you yeah. know? Yeah. You have your American Thanksgiving yep. in November. Yeah. Well, one of our Canadian Thanksgivings in October. But another Thanksgiving for me, in a way, is uh, the Juno Awards in the spring. And I get to see these crew members that... 
usually live in Toronto. The majority of the crew does, but I'm from out west in Calgary. And, uh, and to reunite with them each year is, uh, is definitely a special moment. Very nice. And uh, Avril Lavigne was at the last one? <laughs> she was. The most recent Juno Awards 2022 were in an outdoor venue in Toronto, Ontario. And Avril Lavigne uh, had a performance there. And she was great to see. Wow. That's wonderful. Well, Trent, just I have more questions. We'll fill them out on our own time off air. Amazing. Um, it's been wonderful sitting with you. Um, we got just a few more minutes here. I appreciate uh, this idea and the opportunity. Yeah, it's super fun. And um, I have so much great memories, so many great memories. Um, the first year that we met Tied at CES. The crazy thing is we practically only have like a few days worth of memories together. But to be able to come back and reunite with each other and make more memories and feel like we've had a lot yep. of memories yep. is awesome. Well, you feel like a like a lifelong friend even though i've only known you a few days but we've kept we've stayed in touch for years the remarkable thing about technology is that it's given people the ability to connect with others abroad and i am fortunate to live in a generation where you're able to meet someone on your travels and keep in touch with them uh electronically where otherwise you know our the generation before us wouldn't have had that luxury beautiful um any last thoughts anything what are you excited about um we'll put it back to ces what are you excited about for the future and for the future of technology just the level of innovation and the uniqueness that we see in new products and tech every year i look at them and i think there's no way that this new technology like let's take bmw's uh smart car or artificial intelligence car i think there's no way that this is going to be mainstream on on the uh on the curve of technology i'm usually a laggard but that's because i really like to understand and and learn what technology is available before adopting it but it's uh for me uh remarkable on how something that's uh laughed at today can be mainstream and popular tomorrow yeah absolutely um, I like coming to this convention to see the best of society, the best of what humans can make. Like this is the forefront of the technology, what we do, and that's kind of how we exist or what like what we do as a society is make better shit, make faster, better, cooler things, and you get to see it here. Ironically, we're witnessing it in what is uh, considered to be one of the worst places of society, Las Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Funny juxtaposition. It is. Just walking around here is interesting. Seeing all the characters, everybody has a story and why they're here. A lot of people are here right now for technology, but there's a lot of people who are here for other reasons at casinos and the people who live here and they all have a story and it's interesting and everyone's got weird. a story and it's great to learn about everyone's story absolutely and today we learned about uh trent your story i appreciate it appreciate uh you for speaking with me ty and for anyone who's listening to it 
Beautiful. Thanks for uh, popping in on the podcast. It's, uh, it's been real. Let's do it again. There's a lot more to talk about. Anytime, Ty. Thanks for having me. Cheers, buddy. Let's do it. <laughs>